seeking revenge or payback or even just proving someone wrong may be a great motivator to accomplish something great. I'll show you. And it may even feel good in the moment. But seeking revenge or payback does something to us on the inside. Giving someone the thing that they deserve may just derail your journey. That's today on the podcast. It's Marisa from the Tower Hill production team. Thank you so much for listening into our Tower Hill podcast. Whenever or wherever you're listening, we hope this podcast blesses you, and we hope that you feel free to share it with someone that you know so that they'll feel blessed too. Yep, still on the road with our summer series, On the Road Again, Finding God in the Unexpected Journeys. And this week, Pastor Jason takes us to a place of payback. He talks about how David has the chance to seek justice with the one who was trying to kill him and forced him to flee. But what David does with his opportunity for payback may surprise you. So let's check it out right now. I love that video, even though it's got like snow in it, because it totally fits. It totally fits what we're talking about today is that to live with the reckless love of God. It's one thing to believe it, it's quite another thing to actually live it. And sometimes on the road again, in our unexpected journeys with God, we have a tendency to not live in that love, but instead, we are driven by other emotions. Driven, and we're driven by these emotions that can actually create a lot of success for us, but come at a terrible spiritual cost. Things like anger and regret, vengeance payback. What happens when our journey becomes about payback? When it comes about, yeah, I'm going to prove to you that I'm more than you said that I am. I'm going to prove to you that you were wrong about me. I'm going to show you a thing or two. Or you've hurt me, and so now I'm going to give you what I think you deserve. Sometimes our whole journey of life can be fueled by these emotions. And even if I say that and you're like, I don't know, maybe not me. Think about whatever is in you that sometimes says, you know, I want to prove myself in this situation at work, in this, to this person, to this. Sometimes it's kind of a milder version of what I'm talking about. That sometimes what drives us is our desire to get back, to prove somebody wrong, to show that we are more than they thought, or simply just to get back, you know, like maybe your family of origin, maybe you're angry at your parents, or maybe an ex, or maybe an ex-boss, or whoever it is in your life, it's kind of driving you, it's fueling your life's journey. And it can really be powerful, it can really get you far. It could also create a lot of damage in its wake. Because you hurt me, I'm going to give you what I think you deserve. And we love stories of revenge. I mean, like, there are whole genres of movies, like revenge movies. And we cheer. We cheer so loud when, they get, when people get what they deserve. Oh, man. We love that. Think about some of the great stories of all time. Hamlet. Moby Dick. Mean Girls. All revenge movies. And we love it. We love it when the people get what we think they deserve. We cheer for them. 
even in the immortal classic, The Princess Bride. See if you could say this, this, uh, these lines with me. Hello, my name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Yeah, very good, very good. One of the most memorable revenge characters in all of movies from The Princess Bride, Inigo Montoya. You know, interesting, in these stories of revenge, right? Revenge is fueling people's lives. And it's not just revenge. It's anger. It's bitterness. It's all of these emotions that sometimes drive us. There's always a bit of a warning in these stories. And the warning in The Princess Bride says, you know, basically, there's a cost to letting your life be fueled by anger and bitterness and revenge and payback. And in the movie, Nico Montoya, at the end, he says, I've been in the revenge business so long, now that it's over, I don't know what to do with the rest of my life. And we laugh at the movie, and it's awesome, and we have a great time quoting it. It's one of the most quoted movies, by the way, like ever, The Princess Bride. But the thing is, it's so true that what's, what goes on in us sometimes is we get so fueled by our past hurt. And we wake up one day and we're like, wait a minute, I, this has been fueling me the whole time and I, I don't even know how I got here and now I don't know what to do with the rest of my life. It's kind of like when you deal with anger, it's like dealing with grief. Sometimes you could deal with it so long that you become used to it and then when it's time to let it go, you don't know how because you've never lived without it. You're so used to living with that grief. You're so used to living with that pain or that anger. It's just beneath the surface. And now you don't know what to do with the rest of your life. You don't know what to do with this journey because it's been driving you for so long. If we're not careful, we can end up living a life fueled by anger and vengeance and bitterness. So what happens to us? What happens to us when our journey becomes about payback? How do we deal with it? How do we deal with those emotions in the process of being on this journey that God has called us to be? So, and this is right where we hit our story in Scripture today. And it's so funny because oftentimes we talk about Old Testament stories and people, even Christians, are like, yeah, you know, I'm kind of more of a New Testament person. Like the old time, God's like angry all the time, and it's a real bummer. And although I'd be angry too, you know, it's the stuff that God has to deal with. But but there's so much mercy and grace in the Old Testament, and so many things like people are like, I don't know, was Jonah really swallowed by a fish? You know, maybe I'll just listen to Jesus. But the thing is, human beings never change, and there's so much wisdom and godly guidance on how we deal with issues in our lives from the Old Testament, and today is one of them. It's the story of King Saul and David. So uh, King Saul, he was the king, and David was a rock star. Rocks. <laughs> I thought that one would kill. Because he slew Goliath with a rock. Rock star. Okay. No, he was, he was a star, and King Saul, he, of course, notices. King Saul had some other things going on, too, that he was kind of in a bad spiritual place. But David, he was the big hero. Everybody loved David. Why? He was the kid that won. You know, he was the kid that defeated the impossible opponent with nothing but a sling 
and a stone. And so there were many who thought, hey, listen, we should follow David, not King Saul. Well, King Saul became very paranoid, and he set out to kill David. And funny thing is, David didn't want the job. He did not want to be king. He did not want any of that. He wasn't trying to kill Saul. And so he felt he was definitely being wronged, but all he could do was run, run for his life, and began a chase that lasted for years, over hundreds of miles, David fleeing for his life at the hands of King Saul. And so we enter the story in the middle of the chase. 1 Samuel 24. After Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told... David is in the desert of En Gedi. So Saul took 3,000 able young men from all Israel and set out to look for David and his men near the crags of the wild goats. First of all, I love that that's capitalized because it's a name. And I've decided if I have a band, that's going to be my band name. (laughs) Crags of the wild goats. So in the crags of the wild goats, he came to the sheep pens along the way. A cave was there and Saul went in to relieve himself. Yes, that's what it means. It's in there. I'm just reading it. But, okay, so think this through for for a minute. The only way you're going to get the king by himself at his most vulnerable is in a situation like this. He goes into the cave with no armed escort. David and his men were far back in the cave. They were already in the cave. They were hidden. They were out of sight. And in walks King Saul all by himself. What an opportunity to end this thing right now. And in fact, that's what his men say. Verse 4, the men said, This is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Now, why did he do that? Payback, man. Because he knew that once he did that, he'd be able to say to Saul, I got you. I so got you. All that chasing you, I could have ended this right now. I got you. Now, it wasn't nothing that he cut off the robe of the king. That was a death penalty kind of offense. I mean, that's, that was a big deal. You don't just cut the robe of the king. But it was kind of a small little act of revenge that he got on King Saul in that moment. And man, that had to feel good. It's kind of like uh, I was driving through Little Silver last week, which is an adventure sometimes. And I go through the train tracks. You know that intersection where the train goes? Yep, that one. So I'm going through the intersection. And I'm almost all the way through on a green light, and someone cuts right in front of me to turn left. I mean, like, I had to slam on the brakes. So I instinctively hit the horn, and then they proceed to give me the state bird. <laughs> I, I'm number one. That's what they were saying. And I'm like, wait a minute, that's not fair. I'm not the one who made the mistake. You're the one that made the mistake. And I got so angry. And I'm thinking to myself, if only a police officer would catch them right now and pull them over, I would pull over and watch. I would be so (laughs) 
thrilled that I could see the payback happen. That's what I really wanted. I want to see the payback happen. And I have to imagine that David in this moment is feeling something like that. Like, I got you. I got you. There's no police officer, by the way. It's a total bummer. But then what happens is what often happens when we're living a life of faith is that God shows us something through our own behavior. In that moment where David cuts his robe and it had to feel so good, something happens afterwards, something that often happens when the Holy Spirit speaks to us. You know, it was said that David was a man after God's own heart. He had a closeness with God, and I have to believe this played a role in what happens next. Afterward, David was conscience-stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe. It bothered him. It bothered him deeply that he did this. Isn't that funny? I feel like God does that all the time. It's like I, something in the moment that feels good to exact some revenge or payback. And then right after, it's like the Spirit saying, nah, that's not, that's not my way. That's not the way of Jesus. It bothered David. He said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed. Or lay my hand on him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. With these words, David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went his way. Fascinating, right? And even his men interpreted that moment as, this is it. This is the moment the Lord said, time to get rid of the problem. David's like, no, that's... That's not what God wants. Yes, God's given me this choice in this moment. But even what I did, I don't feel good about that. And if the story just ended here, Saul never would have known what happened. The safest play was for David and his men to just stay in the cave and wait for all those guys to leave. But that's not what David does next. And this is, I can only describe as, it seems logically crazy, but it's the right thing spiritually for David in that moment. He feels like he's got to say something. Then David went out of the cave and called out to Saul, my lord, the king. So he totally exposes his position, risks his own life in order to come back out to Saul and say this. My lord, the king, when Saul looked behind him, David bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. He said to Saul, why do you listen when men say David is bent on harming you? This day you have seen with your own eyes how the Lord delivered you into my hands in the cave. But some urged me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not lay my hand on my lord because he is the Lord's anointed. See, my father, look at this piece of your robe in my hand. I cut off the corner of your robe, but did not kill you. See that there is nothing in my hand to indicate that I am guilty of wrongdoing or rebellion. I have not wronged you, but you are hunting me down to take my life. May the Lord judge between you and me. May the Lord judge. There is so much in this story I feel like we can mine 
for our own everyday lives with God. And I think it speaks to this notion of what do we do when we're living with this bitterness and anger or vengeance or I'm going to show you or I'm going to give you exactly what I think you deserve. I think there are a few things. I think what David saw in this moment, one of the things that he saw was that payback isn't about them, it's about you. You see, payback, or the bitterness and anger that come with it, is about your inability to move past your anger. It's a you problem, and a me problem. You see, it's not, God didn't design us to operate on anger all the time. And if you can't move past it, it's going to derail the journey that God has you on. It will steer you off course. It will create obstacles that ought not to be there. And I hate to say it, but the older we get, the harder it is to let go of these things. Because you learn to live with it for so long. It becomes your default emotional and spiritual state. And so you know people who, who deal with anger all the time or have all this bitterness and rage locked up inside of them. It never goes anywhere. And it's like they're so fixated on it, they can't move past it. I think about it this way. I think about it like a jar. If a jar is already full, you can't fill it up. If we're so full of ourselves, we can't be so filled with God. Right? We need to empty ourselves out to be filled with God constantly. And the inability to move past our anger is a problem of we're not pouring it out. We're just leaving all that poison in. And it's affecting us. Payback is about your inability to move past your anger. And this anger can extend to anybody. It could be your family. It could be anybody who's ever doubted you. Anybody who's hurt you or somebody you really want to show that they were wrong. Maybe it's your ex, your ex-boss, all the exes. And so here's what this anger and bitterness does, is it threatens your integrity. It threatens your integrity and the journey itself. So what was at stake for David, partially, was integrity. Living in the way a person after God's own heart would live. And God would say, vengeance is not yours to dole out. What are some other things that we see in this story? There's so many. Here's a few. The first is, is that when it comes to this, it can feel good in the moment, but rarely makes things any better. When we try to pay back, except that guy in Little Silver, it would be perfect. <laughs> the, <laughs> no, it can feel good in the moment, but it rarely makes things any better. In fact, it often makes things worse. When you act on that bitterness and anger, it never comes out good. No, it comes out sideways and all dysfunctional and weird. Creates all this crazy ripple effect. The second, I think, that we learn and what David learned is that God allows us to choose integrity. I think that's a gift. And I remember having this, these long conversations with my father because he would just be like, why didn't God just make us all have integrity? I said, because you couldn't have integrity. 
You can't have integrity unless you have a choice to not have integrity. And what do I mean by integrity? It's living the way that we say we believe we ought to live in our relationship with God. That's integrity. Doing what you say you believe. So in order to believe that I'm going to do what God wants me to do, I'm not going to take vengeance upon myself. I'll let God be the judge between you and me. And that's the third thing. Let God be the judge. Trust me, he's better at it than you. I, can't, I don't know what was going on in that guy's life that cut me off. He may have some anger going on. I don't know. The thing is, I never know what people deserve. I can't look into their soul and judge that. That's way above my pay grade. Let God be the judge. Just yeah, That's one job you can take right off your list. And yet it's a job that many Christians take up with joy. I can't tell you how many people, it's got to be hundreds at this point, since I've been in ministry, who left the church because people judge them. Christian people judge them. Christian people who are dealing with their own bitterness and anger, lashed out at people, who then have left the church out of bitterness and anger and won't come back. It derails what God wants to do in our lives when that happens. So just, we could cut that judging. God knows more than we would ever know. Because, and this is the next thing, payback is not the way of Jesus. And it will derail your journey. Payback is not the way of Jesus. Because, I mean, you think about it. Jesus wasn't about payback. He was sitting there hanging on the cross, whispering forgiveness to the people who put him there. Think about this. We cut the robe of our king every single day as an act of vengeance by our behavior, by our inability to listen, by our own sinful desires. We dishonor the God who gave us life. And he doesn't pay us back with what we deserve. In fact, that's just the thing. God doesn't give us what we deserve. Why do we try to give it to other people we think they deserve? God gives us mercy and grace. Maybe instead of saying, well, because you hurt me, I'm going to give you what I think you deserve. Maybe it should be, even though you hurt me, I'm going to give you what God gives me. Mercy and grace. And yes, sometimes you're still going to instinctively lash out in anger. I'm still going to slam on that horn because I can't help it. But I can help how I respond to it. I can let love lead me forward. Even when it's hard. By the way, isn't that the Christian life though? Isn't that what we've been called to do? To be faithful when it's hard. That's what integrity is about. When it's easy, we're all great Christians. 
Thanks, God. It's when it's hard, when it matters, when it comes down to it. Are we going to show others the mercy and grace that we've been given? So how, what's our way forward? If on your journey you've been dealing with this idea of payback or anger or bitterness. There's a song that Casting Crowns wrote that it's my personal opinion every Christian should read the lyrics of this song in the morning. Along with whatever scripture you're reading, read these lyrics because I feel like it offers what we're supposed to do in order to move forward. How do we move forward in the face of our anger? I want to read these lyrics to you now and we'll have the band go ahead and come up because we're going to sing this song right after. The words are, Jesus, friend of sinners, we have strayed so far away. We cut down people in your name, but the sword was never ours to swing. Jesus, friend of sinners, the truth's become so hard to see. The world is on their way to you, but they're tripping over me. Always looking around, but never looking up. I'm so double-minded. A plank-eyed saint with dirty hands and a heart divided. Oh, Jesus, friend of sinners, open our eyes to the world at the end of our pointing fingers. Let our hearts be led by mercy. Help us reach with open hearts and open doors. Oh, Jesus, friend of sinners, break our hearts for what breaks yours. This is the way of Jesus. This is what it looks like to follow him on your journey. And listen, if you've been derailed by anger and bitterness and it's fueled you, maybe even it's brought you to a place of success, but you know deep down that something's not right, you may feel like you're in the ditch on this journey of faith. It's never too late to allow God to get you back on the road again. 